Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 earbuds. Welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I am your host today, Hannah Gelb, and with me I have a very special, very smart and cool, very intimidating guest. It's Heather Haverleski. Hello. I'm so intimidating. I'm so scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, your your writing is very impressive and, and good. So oh, thank you, <laughs> everyone. Heather is the author of How to Be a Person in the World and the memoir Disaster Preparedness. She's also written for The New Yorker, The Atlantic, all the good ones, just the big good ones. She's also a advice columnist. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that's impressive. So <laughs> So I started reading What If This Were Enough? And I kind of felt like Winston in 1984 reading Goldstein's Manifesto. I mean, you know, later it turns out to be O'Brien, but whatever. It, it just felt very subversive. And I and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And then I felt kind of attacked. And then I was again like, yeah. And then <laughs> so I feel, but I feel like that is such a good experience to have. It feels like. It kind of really activated my seeing, you know, kind of seeing things differently. So I'm really enjoying it. I haven't gotten all the way through. But I did want to ask, who was your intended audience for the book? Or did you want to talk, introduce the book a little bit or what the... I I don't really have an audience in mind. I, I think in some ways I just write for myself almost. I imagine I it serves me well to sort of Imagine that the world is filled with people who are exactly like me. Um, Mm -hmm. And with Ask Polly, which started out on the all in 2012 and then moved to New York Magazine in 2015, that really has kind of served me well. I mean, I think I've always written that way. I was a TV critic for years. I was a cartoonist for a few years in my 20s and... um, and I, I, I kind of feel like when it comes to writing, just assuming that people understand everything and relate to it, it's kind of like you're talking to your friend who already gets you. Because it's hard to get into the right mindset and and have the right energy if you don't kind of assume a friendly, interested audience. It's not really like, you know, you can't really think like only, you know, women in their 40s 
with my exact <laughs> education, you know, and my exact influences are going to understand this. I think that um, what I found is the more you assume that people understand, the more they do understand. This book came from a place of sort of reaching a critical point in feeling like, I don't know, it felt like the culmination of a lot of writing I'd done about American culture and global culture and a lot of, a lot of thought I'd given to sort of what the built-in poisons of our culture are and how we can sort of root out the sort of poisons that we're ingesting at all times, but we don't really realize how much they influence how we see everything, how we see ourselves, what kind of relationship to ourselves we have, what kind of relationships to the world we have, and how, you know, a lot of the sort of common ways of living these days are essentially rooted in a fantastical escapist approach to getting by, like distracting yourself, living inside a fantasy, not understanding how to root yourself in reality and deal with reality and deal with the here and now, if that makes any sense. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> We're kind of uh, bombarded by a culture that tells us that the whole point, the whole route to happiness is only available through an escape from reality and through a sort of the narcotics of our culture and sort of the the anesthetizing and distracting and exciting shiny things that we're supposed to you know consume and and mm-hmm. sort of dive into anything but living in the here and now essentially is what our culture tells us over and over and over again um, and it makes us unhealthy it makes us all sick right right and and it's so hard to you know when you're living inside the spectacle like we all are it's so hard to step outside of it and kind of pull apart those messages of which there are many. <laughs> I mean, just just recently I was like, wow, I'm so excited to talk to Heather because I was like, well, I need to improve every aspect of my life. My music sucks. I need to be better at that. My job's not good enough. I need more money. I need to be better at this podcast. I need to, I don't know, exercise more. And it's all this idea that when those things happen, then I'll be this person that I want to be. Well, Hannah, if only you could come here and see the excellence and the amazingness that is me in my life. <laughs> no one is optimized, you know? I mean, I think that's right. one of the illusions of our culture is that you go online and you go and watch TV and you go see movies and you even walk around. I mean, I think that the kind of degree of polished presentation we are supposed to embody at this moment, I mean, down to like skincare... Hair oh, color, yeah, you know, like I mean, it used yeah. to be okay to not to not have a pedicure. <laughs> yes, yes, it used to be okay to even go in the world with just your face the way it is and have your hair color be the way it is. <laughs> I mean, I always like to tell myself, well, this is just the way the man's trying to keep me down. You know, he wants me to be asleep and constantly buying all of this shit, so I'm broke and can't like get out of the cycle. Would you agree with that assessment or is that far too simple? <laughs> Absolutely. But I think that I do think that it's really seductive. Like I'm actually ironically in like a hair color obsessed state, mm-hmm. I, you know, because my hair is growing in gray and I'm tempted to let it go gray. But I also I mean, see, I don't even like saying that out loud. I'm like, oh, no, now everyone knows that my hair is gray. It's all a lie. <laughs> Um, it's just stupid. It's like an obsession. Like, so for a while I went blonde. I was like, fuck it. I'll just, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on your podcast. Hannah, oh, no, please. Please do it as freely and fully. Okay. Um, yes, we have an so, explicit rating. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, good. I just feel like, you know, it's just easy to get caught up in the lie that you're supposed to be as, you know, camera ready and polished. And you're supposed to speak in sound bites and you're supposed to have, you know, the perfect sort of personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I honestly, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say a thing about this, but when you do events like book events, mm-hmm. you have to now sign contracts that say, we're going to tape you and we're going to broadcast it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and you know, that's just like one layer. It, it, this is not the fault of people who do book events. Like these are like the best people on earth. It, it's just, this is the way the universe runs now. And it, it right. just feels like, why should I, you know, I'm just having a day where I'm like, why should I, you know, why should I expect myself to be a person who shows up in a different town and looks great and can talk off the cuff about my book and then it's broadcast all over the world and that's okay. Or, you know, like it could just mm-hmm. be pieced together into a wrap and they could broadcast it all over. Like that's essentially <laughs> what this contract says. Yeah. Like we can remix it. So you're saying Satan is my God. And we could record it, you know, record a rap yeah. that you, you know, and then we could sell that. I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. it, this is what the contract literally says. It's like any form of this recording. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't understand. Well, I mean, I think know. we're in a good, a good time for paranoia, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we really oh my are. gosh, Apple is so aggressively advertising their new credit card at me and all of the fabulous things it can do. And one of the things is like, I mean, I know all credit cards track where you bought stuff but it's like it's so easy if you see a charge that you don't recognize just click it and it'll tell you where you were and i'm like apple is literally going full margaret atwood like they're gonna have an army next and we're all gonna live inside the apple compound and (laughs) the government will fall and it's just so crazy but yeah like what you're talking about is it just seems like this line got blurred between what gets to be private or you know what gets to be just you and not sold to everyone? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like I keep saying, wait, is everyone really doing this? <laughs> That's not a useful question anymore. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. everyone is doing all the things. You know, you can say to someone, I don't think that I should do this. This doesn't make simple sense to me. And I mean, granted, it's just that, you know, you wake up the next day and you think, oh, well, whatever. The world owns me. It's really hard to purge it. Like you have these days where you're like, I'm going to clean this up. I'm not doing this. You know, like I'm going to delete all these weird apps that track (laughs) me all over the world. (laughs) Going to go off the grid. (laughs) And I'm going to make sure none of my credit cards are stacked up in, you know, like when I try to buy something online, I don't want to see like five credit card numbers pop up like which one of these wonderful cards you want to use lady (laughs) yeah and all you have to do is just click you know and google wants to know everything also obviously yeah they're also going full margaret atwood (laughs) i mean i think the end of the world's just going to come down to apple v google you know, and we're going to be, we're the ones going to be fighting on the front lines. We'll somehow have been duped into it. Yeah. It, I mean, I was just like, no, it won't go that way. It'll be more like, and then I'm like, okay, let's not go too far, <laughs> far afield. Let's not write our, we'll save our, um, our sci-fi fantasy 
uh, Netflix <laughs> series uh, talks for later. But I think that, yeah, you're exactly right. There, there are reasons to be paranoid. And it's really hard to, I just think it's hard to stand up for yourself without feeling like a curmudgeon at this moment. Oh, well, yes. I mean, it's a, it's so hard to live different values in a society whose values are crazy but yeah and you you know you're like well I want to I want to still be here I'm not you know I'm not going to move into a cave I mean maybe one day but that's going to be a tough transition I want to start small but like yes there aren't values the values of the world are uh we own you essentially mm. like the fine print is we own everything and that's you know you can't be paranoid enough as far mm-hmm. as that goes well you know I'm so interested that you wrote this book and you live in LA because that is such an interesting <laughs> conundrum to me because I'm like, you know, L.A. has a lot of great stuff and beautiful art. and But it also is like the poster child city for chasing after the next thing and like filling all of your, as Anne Lamott says, the like Swiss cheese holes of yourself with just money and fame and stuff and looking good. And there's always more to be had. So how do you, I mean, in some ways, I guess that's the best place to perch yourself and like make these observations. What's that experience like? Well, I, you know, honestly, I think that living anywhere is sort of, so living on any location on earth has a lot in common with living in any other location on earth at this moment, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it, depending on, of course, whether or not you turn on your computer and look at the internet. But um, <laughs> but I would argue that there's not a giant, a vast difference in the values and the, and the sort of like poisons that are being broadcast at all of our faces. I, I think that LA is, I mean, I don't know that there are that many people who, unless you're just old and wise by the time you get here, <laughs> there are not that many people who move here without kind of thinking, I just might end up being great friends with a lot of great celebrities. And I just might end up writing an amazing TV show and becoming incredibly rich. And I might just, Mm -hmm. you know, be gorgeous and special. Um, Mm -hmm. But that only lasts about two, three years. You know, I don't know, a few months even. You sort of immediately start to see that, yeah, the red carpet is about eight feet long and you stand right there in front of the dumb backdrop that shows some corporate sponsor in the background. People snap some pictures and then you're on to the next mundane experience. There's no way, there aren't a lot of very clear ways to experience the world's conception of what LA is, which is basically Hollywood. Even when you're in the industry and you're, let's say you're a TV writer or you're I mean, I I can't speak for actors. I think that's a whole different world. Mm -hmm, But um, mm -hmm. the people I know in the industry, agents, TV writers, entertainment lawyers, it's not it's not incredibly glamorous, you know, I don't know. And and as far as the values, L.A. does have a thing about, you know, not aging and not ever looking less than amazing. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that is spreading outward to the rest of the world, uh, as far as I can tell. I, it's funny because I just wrote on Ask Polly about this. Someone just wrote to me who had moved here two years ago, and she's like, I hate L.A., the people are so shallow. <laughs> and she, it sounds like she spent the last two years in a writer's room. That's really kind of a rarefied experience. L.A. Mm-hmm. and a writer's mm-hmm. room are two d- really pretty different things. And mm-hmm. the things that you experience in a TV writer's room are not are not reflective of 
the wider population of LA. I also live way up in the hills of LA, north of LA, and mm-hmm. it's I'm, it's pretty scrappy and uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so wait, are you carrying? Are you carrying like your daily water in a bucket? Yeah. Like, uh, sorry. <laughs> Um, I mean, I have a view of the hills, which is nice. You end up feeling like you're sort of, uh, not the Hollywood Hills, like other hills, the scrappier Uh, cousins of the Hollywood Hills. (laughs) Well, I assumed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the scrappy, the scrappy hills. Yeah, scrappy-ass hills Yeah, maybe that should be the next memoir you write. It can be called Scrappy-Ass Hills. The scrappy-ass hill. I'm a scrappy-ass L.A. hillbilly. (laughs) Well, that's great. I think there need to be more hillbillies i would argue that uh, you know everywhere you go right they're they're just the same things are sort of knocking down your door and as you get older just all of the weird ego things and the money that like all the stuff that haunts you you know that you're trying to get over right like we're always all we're all trying to get over the idea that we're supposed to be doing more with ourselves. And I think that just follows you anywhere. You know, it's just like, that's just a very common theme, especially if you get up past the age of 35, you're just like, oh my God, like how many things can I do? I've just figured out that I can't be an astronaut after all, you know, like. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Right, so this book is kind of about limits. It's about facing Uh, the limits of what you can do. Uh, See, okay, my mom would argue Kenosha, Wisconsin, for example, you could go there and you would never feel any pressure to improve yourself. <laughs> but I think she's wrong. She's a particularly uh, calm and like kind of born enlightened, I feel, person. So I know I could go there and be unhappy for sure. <laughs> I, you know, I actually, I do feel like there's something about Wisconsin and a little bit Chicago that's sort of like, it is a little bit of an escape from these kinds of things. I mean, part of it, I think, is just the weather. But actually, that's uh, to me, that's kind of appealing. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, I really... Like, you walk around Chicago and you kind of feel like people just really don't give a fuck here. Like, it's kind of nice. Mm. Well, what? yes, weather is the great equalizer. <laughs> where, um, where are you? <laughs> oh, oh, God. I'm in San Diego. I'm in Southern California. Oh. And I, I think about leaving all the time. <laughs> Oh, how long have you been there? Well, I grew up here. I went to the Bay for like 10 years-ish, and then I moved back here. I've now been here about six years. I worry all the time that it has like warped my brain just to the point where it cannot be unwarped. And like you say, like, okay, I'm 34. I can still maybe get carded, but I'm very scared of the day that it arrives when everyone's like, uh, can you die? You're really just not fuckable anymore. Oh and my like, God. The word fuckable is that that's such a like mid thirties <laughs> word. The fuckability, uh, anxiety. That's a good, that's yes. a good title for a book. I'm hoping I can anxiety. accept with grace. No one wants to look at me anymore. And I have been trained my whole life to think that that is what matters, how attractive I am. I am hoping it'll be liberating and I won't have a nervous breakdown. Maybe, Maybe both. <laughs> um, anyways, that's my rants on Southern California. <laughs> my personal view is that, first of all, 34 is like, to me now, 34 sounds like 25. <laughs> Used to sound. Like, it's just, that's just like some teenager. Like, I, liter- I literally think of thir- people in their 30s as like, yeah, you're just, you just got out of high school. <laughs> 
And so, and, and I also want to say that, like, I'm 49 and I, people fucking look at me. Like, I don't, whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not like about to, people aren't about to like kick me off the face of the earth, you know? Like, I, I feel pretty hot. I'm not, I'm not like super concerned about disappearing. I was much oh, more nice. concerned about disappearing at 32 than I am now. Well, I it's am a weird a thing. I'm a late bloomer. I'm hoping that I just continue to kind of improve. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm well, sure you. you will. Well, I did want to ask kind of going on the self-improvement idea. Like this is what I grapple with all the time. Mm-hmm. Am I really, do I really need to make a move in my life that is going to like improve the health of my soul and it like needs to be done? Or am I just chasing after the next thing? Like I do, and then I get kind of like stuck in that spot and like don't do anything. How how would you answer that? Well, I mean, I think it depends on what the thing that you want is. I I think self improvement is such a is such a hard thing to pin down because it means so many different things. I, I, I would just say in general that I think that I was a little bit obsessed with self improvement for a long time. Not not necessarily self-help, but just like the idea that I should be getting better and better and better. And I do actually think that that's a poisonous mindset. Like it doesn't necessarily do anything for you to feel like there's some elusive future where you're be- you're just amazing and you're not enough now. Around the time that I was writing this book, I went through this phase where I just like really wanted to learn to accept the limits of my life. But also I wanted to learn to look in the mirror and just say... What you have here is working. It's great. You don't have to be getting more successful and hotter. You know, like mm-hmm. you can just be an inadequate person, but the inadequate person that you already are is actually fucking fine. Right. I, well, I'm wondering, do you, you know, uh, so in the book, you talk a few times about finding well it was so interesting because you know what I really liked is you kind of talk about this sort of dark despair and like feeling despair and being allowed to feel those kinds of things in the face of America trying to constantly cheer you up but then you also talk about that just being alive in this moment is such a gift and I'm like such a black and white thinker that I was like wait a minute how can how can life be a gift and be so sad and disappointing and full of despair? Um, Explain yourself. You know, I think that I think that when you welcome in the fact that things are, you know, when you welcome in reality, right? So because we're talking about American culture and global culture at large now, you know, the world sort of presents this idea that you have to live inside a fantasy in order to feel good. Like you're constantly presented with ways to escape reality. Um, And when you live in reality, that means accepting that you're going to have terrible days. You're going to have really bad, despairing feelings. And you're going to look at the state of the world and feel angry and upset and anxious. You're going to worry about climate change and ask yourself, how long are we even going to be here? Right. Um, Like, what is what is the point of anything? What is the (laughs) point? And 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 then. The more that you sort of face these things, it's weird because I write this in my column all the time and it's sort of like, what do you mean by facing them? Facing Mm -hmm. them kind of means like the more that you remind yourself of these dark things, but you like make room to feel 
the way any normal human animal would feel about these things, sad, you know, mm-hmm. sad, anxious, without looking away, right? Like just mm-hmm. allowing these bad things to sort of wash over you regularly. It's hard to describe, but it's sort of like the more you accept and try your best within the limits and just the dark, you know, within the the dark state of the world, the more you sort of live inside of that and show up for it day after day with an open mind and an open heart, the more you can actually feel joy in spite of these things. I mean, it's sort of like part of the ability to do this is related to the ability to accept that you're going to die someday. I think that all of the limits, facing your limits, especially as you reach your late 30s and early 40s, which is when I think a lot of people do face the limits of their lives. They're kind of like, mm-hmm. what am I going to achieve in this life? Who am I going to be? How much mm-hmm. can I do? How much can I improve, actually? Um, and am I ever going to really be happy? I think when you really look at look down the barrel of these kind of rough things, there's something about it that's emancipating. It's sort of like, you know, my experience of the world is so determined by how I treat myself. Like Mm -hmm, the only thing mm -hmm. I really have control over is how I move through the world and how I behave around other people and how much compassion I shower on myself and how much compassion I show towards other people and Mm -hmm. whether or not I'm trying to do something to make this world a little brighter. If you can, I don't know, I'm not putting into this world, I'm not putting this into words that beautifully today, which I mean, honestly, in the past, I would be like, Jesus. Like, I'd get off the podcast and I'd be like, you <laughs> motherfucker, why can't you ever, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Your brain moves in 15 different directions at once. It's natural, actually, not to speak in sound bites. And yes, I mean, mm-hmm. I could be looking at a bullet list and I might make of the perfect guest in that case. But, but at some point, you just say to yourself, like, I am this person. People can want to talk to me or not. I mm-hmm. will have friends or I won't. Things aren't going to get that much better from here. I just want to be free. You know, I just want to live my life, do my best. And I'm not going to beat myself up every day. And I'm not going to anxiously approach the things that are crappy in the world. I'm actually going to feel real sadness about them. And then I'm going to address those things. Like, I think there's a giant difference between feeling, you know, and thinking and, and avoiding and moving around in circles yeah. and trying to, you know, solving problems, right? Like there's yeah. this, I feel like the 30s are this time where you get so caught in your head and you're trying to solve a problem, solve, solve, solve. <laughs> and it's, and that does, it doesn't do anything for you. You know what I mean? Right, you're never going right. to come up with some scheme that's going to get <laughs> you out of this place you're in, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you, you have this idea like, God, I just need to come up with a plan. Like, should I stay here or not? Should I get a different job or not? Like, what, what's, what's it going to be? Should I get in really good shape? Would that help? What should I do? <laughs> yeah. And you can't do that because it doesn't, there's no there there. First of all, you don't, the things that you decide when you're in that thinky state do not stick. You either feel your way towards some kind of epiphany and then feel your way out of it. Or you don't. Just like when you're writing a book, right? If you want to write a book, you got to learn how to feel connected to the book itself and feel good about writing. And you have to learn how to notice that you're enjoying writing. And you have to learn how to savor reading your own writing and polishing your own writing. 
it's all about feeling. If you want to write a book, you have to feel connected to the writing process and you have to believe in it, right? It's a felt, very, very visceral thing. You cannot say, God damn it, I should write a book. I Get off your ass. Hannah, get off your ass and write a book right now. <laughs> yeah. Go do it. Well, gosh, can you... I love everything that you're saying so much, and I want so desperately to be able to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> the tough part is translating, like you're saying, those words like face what it is, accept what it is. How does that translate to my like daily experience? I don't know. And and yeah, and feeling things. I you know there was one day where I was like, wait, have I ever had a feeling ever in my entire life, or have I just only been thinking about stuff? Yeah. Well, you, so you get up in the morning and you Mm -hmm. go to your job, right? And you're, Mm -hmm. and you have this like feeling like, what am I, you know, this thought of like, how do I get out of here? (laughs) Yes. And also I'm like, also I'm like, it's Friday. I literally just, I remember last Friday as if it was five minutes ago. Yeah. My life is melting before my eyes. Mm -hmm. This is my one time on this planet and it is whizzing by. I guess my chasing idea is always like, I need to design a life where I feel like I'm not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm 83. Whoops. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's actually a practical concern that a lot of people have. <laughs> and it's my advice to you on that front is just find a way to work from home. People who who just feel like TikTok, you know, my time is passing. I was always someone who the idea of putting in time and giving time for money just felt really wrong. Like I will do a thing and you can pay me for that thing, but I never want to be paid to just warm up chair. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Cannot handle it. Yeah. Okay. So chair warmer, that's going to be my, my memoir, my way out of this (laughs) nine to five life is going to be also writing witty memoirs. Yeah, there you go. If I was just someone who wanted to, I never even liked it when I was being measured or rewarded in any way for things that involve like showing up to a place and sitting and listening to someone talk and leave, you know, like going to meetings and stuff like that. Like I just, Mm -hmm. it felt wrong. Mm -hmm. I only want to be valued based on what I produce and nothing else. I don't want to be valued based on how I look when I show up at a place or how I sound. Like just let me make a thing that you want to pay me money for and that's it. Wow. This is like earth shattering. (laughs) But then part of that is like, you have to manage yourself, right? And you have to manage your own time and you have to like, make sure that you're capable of being productive somewhere else where no one can see you. You you do kind of get that, like, I have homework all the time feeling and you have to manage that. I mean, it's not like there aren't things that are tough, but I do think that there are a lot of people who thrive with like, I'm leaving my house. I'm going somewhere else. Other people Mm -hmm. can see me. That's good for me. And there are Mm -hmm. people who are basically like, yes, I mean, I will experience hardship in being a hermit and living under a rock, but I also, (laughs) that is my best life. I I value making things. I just want to make things and sell them. You know, I could be making like turtleneck sweaters and I would feel better than I would if I had to go show up somewhere and not along to someone talking. So so my advice to you is you you want to be in control of your life. Like it's obvious that you are not someone who thrives in like an office and so you need to find some way. What you need is to like 
get up in the morning an hour before you're supposed to get up, drink coffee, strong coffee. <laughs> Do you drink coffee? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so drink, drink like a strong coffee and start writing down the things that you think you can do. You know what I mean? Like just ways you can break out of the way that you're living right now. Work-wise, career-wise. Yeah. Your wow. dream career in five years, your dream career in 10 years. Uh, where do you want to live? Like maybe you want to live somewhere cheaper and work from home doing stuff for people all over the place. But wait, isn't this kind of like making that plan like you were talking about? Or is this the intuiting? The intuiting. Part? Oh, like making a plan, like too many plans, plans, plans and solving like I problems. Got, like I got I to gotta have a five-year plan and I got to like be... I'm this age and I can't make this amount of money at this age. No, that, that like- stuff, <laughs> no, that stuff is, I think that what we're talking about is just like, you all, you just know that how you feel at this moment is wrong. And you're, it's not just like a, I'm just an anxious person. I have circling thoughts and maybe I should treat my anxiety or I can't connect with people or, you know, it just, it sounds like what you're mm-hmm. describing is just like, I physically cannot show up to this job for another week, I feel like my whole life is passing me by. <laughs> yes. Is that I always a really, felt that way. Is that a very common, is that what people write to you about a lot or is there? No, I th- I actually think that I haven't answered a lot of like work questions lately and I, you should write me a letter and I'll just answer it because I love <gasps> work questions. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'm so there excited. You go. Yay. Okay. I shall. I mean, you know, you have to come up with like a fake name. You can't just say, this is, oh, hey, this is Hannah. <laughs> Okay, I will, but I'm going to drop a lot of little hints in it. That yeah, no, like... I mean, you can, if you want to tell me, hey, go look for my letter, that's okay. But I'm just saying we're not going to publish one that says, hey, this is your next door neighbor, Heather. Um, sorry, Polly. <laughs> yeah, oh, I got it, gotcha, gotcha, okay. But just to answer your question of that, about, like, do a lot of people feel this way? I feel like, mm-hmm. actually, there's a type of person, I, it's kind of like, I recognize it in someone else, like, I mean, whatever. A lot of people don't like offices, but there's a kind of person who's just like the way that you described, like the kind of TikTok of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's last Friday. I do think that some people have that kind of vertigo in offices where they're just like, there is no here. I I enter a nowhere realm when I walk in this (laughs) bad void. And yes. Yes. And it never ends. It, you have to like know, just know when to stop because you could you could literally stay there 12 hours every day, but and you would never be finished. The inbox will never be empty. And like that is so it's really hard for me to accept that. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's and, hard. It's hard. And it is another world to manage, you know, working from home. But I've worked from home my entire career. Like I, I basically hated offices a few brief times and then I got out of them because I couldn't Mm, handle it. And I recommend it. I mean, I like the way I've lived. As a writer, it's like, it's easier to have weird ideas and wild ideas when you do not have like a conventional setting that you're going to every day, you know? right. Yeah. And then people are like norming, getting their normal all over you. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. They smear their normal, their stinky normal all over you. Right. I mean, you do. On the other hand, you do become a freak when you work from home for 20 (laughs) years. You're certainly not normal. I think that's pretty clear. It's not. In the beginning, you know, you reach a point where you learn how to socialize again and you learn how to like, you know, accept yourself enough that you're like, okay, it's fine. I'm a freak. Everybody understands that. I'm not that worried Mm. about it. But there is a time when you first start working at home where you're like, what? Someone just talked to me. What? 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 (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. What did you? 
Did you need to? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to go to the corner store and the guy would be like five seventy five, and I'd be like, I what? Oh, <laughs> I was oh so gosh. embarrassed of myself. I was That's just like, so no. interesting. Gosh, Stop looking at me. Also, like I feel like I am a. I I know that there is much to be gained from like solitude and I enjoy solitude. And then I, but I do know, like, I'm, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I know that I would turn into a crazy person. Like a. Yeah. That's an interesting <laughs> challenge. It's fine. It's, that's the kind of challenge I like being driven crazy by other people. Not, not the kind of challenge I like that much being yes. dealing with my own crazy. Interesting. Still challenging. I mean, you have to exercise a lot. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what you're saying about not being full of amazing sound bites because that was amazing. Like, my own crazy is cool. You got to exercise a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't be like crazy and depressed. really depressed oh, together. No, 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 that's not a good, it's no uh-uh. good. No. In there. As we know, it's unpleasant, but crazy and energetic and we're super fucking weird, but really really fit that's pretty okay <laughs> i think that actually describes like 90 percent of the population of san diego though oh it's awful i had a i like almost had a nervous breakdown the other day <laughs> I, actually me and my my sister were out and she was like about to give birth and we saw this woman exercising with her kid and like she was like just wearing this beautiful exercise outfit beautiful fabrics and colors and so fit and we were both just like, oh, my God, like, fuck the fuck off right fucking now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and my, like, kind, compassionate friend was with me. And she was like, um, she's just doing her thing. There's no need for this reaction. <laughs> yeah. Why are you guys so mad? But, you know, it's funny because why do people get to wear beautiful things while they work out now? You know what? I was just thinking that today. Like, you used to be able to just wear whatever. Oh, my and God. It, I still do. Now, I'm wear, Right now, I'm wearing all... I look like a giant piece of lint with, like, <laughs> legs sticking out the bottom. And I'm just, like, yes. greasy, you know? I mean, I'm just gray. <laughs> You're like a manatee. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite <laughs> exercise outfit. I mean, there are, there are truly some beautiful fabrics out there, though. Like, do you get the Athleta or Title, Title Nine? is it? But they're, like beautiful, everyday women, gorgeous. And you're like, if I wear, if I put that on my body, it will help me so much on my journey of becoming this incredibly slim buff person. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how it works. I mean, my God, one more just ridiculous industrial complex that like cannot be stopped, you know, well, you know, yeah, you got to look great when you're exercising. You have to buy like $120 yoga pants just to like do a few stretches. Yes. I really um, wish I'd had the wherewithal to like be on top of that. I mean, I would have to be evil and like sell my soul. But I wish I could have been the person who was like, I see a need. I see a, a void that can be filled. And it can be filled with $60 tank tops that wick moisture or whatever, because apparently that's something that you need in order to move your body. <laughs> yes. Yes. You need your sweat to be lifted off your body, and then you just, you clean, you throw that in the wash, and it's nice, sparkling clean. I mean, just, yeah. 
you know, I was driving across the country, not this past summer, but the summer before. Mm-hmm. And we came to this tiny town in Kansas. There's something about Kansas. Kansas is really beautiful. And I, and we went and we stayed at the strange little hotel. And we went into the basement of this hotel where they had a little bar. My husband and I had, you know, the kids were upstairs in the hotel room sleeping. We had a little drink at this little bar. And, and I mm. said, what's it like living in this town? To this woman behind the bar. And she was kind of like, people are pretty normal. <laughs> and I was Whoa. like, she was like, you know, we have the internet here. <laughs> She's like, don't stop dumping on my town. <laughs> I Well, she was really cool, actually. She wasn't, she wasn't being, she wasn't mean. And I was, mm. and I was kind of saying like, it's so beautiful here. You know, this town had like three businesses in it. It was right. like there was the hotel, the corner store, and then maybe a bar, another bar. And then there were just like farmers and stuff. The thing that I realized was with the internet, you can actually stay in touch with people all over the place. Like there are times when I think I should move to New York. It would be really nice to live in New York for once in my life. But Mm -hmm. then I'm kind of like, no, but I'm in close touch with a lot of people in New York. I mean, what would be the difference if we had a drink every now and then? It doesn't really matter that much. You can kind of be anywhere. You know, I don't go into the city of L.A. that often. Shit, I went yesterday. I sat at one traffic light yesterday for 20 minutes. I was trying, yes, I was trying to make a left. <laughs> oh, my God. I was trying to go see my friend's reading, and I was 15 minutes late to the reading because I sat at this one for a full t- 20 minutes. You know, and I thought as I sat there, why would I want to live down here where people just sit in traffic all the time, like in my little part of L.A. Right. Yeah, well, that's a really good, that's an, a big issue now is like so, okay, there's like six places you're allowed to live now if you're like a young millennial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to live in a hip urban center, which is impossible because it's too expensive unless you're either like a doctor or started a techie startup. Like I think about that a lot is, the question of what if this were enough? Like, what if you could live in a small fucking town that no one knows the name of and just be totally happy there? I mean, and I feel like I kind of, I want to do, I'm like tempted to do that because I'm not good at making money. And I know that it's like <laughs> not, it's not going to be sustainable for me to live in this like incredibly expensive city. But there is that fear of like, oh, but who will I be in that non-place? Or like, how insulting is that, that I even call it a non-place? Like, I mean, when you first move to a place, like when I first moved to this part of L.A., it is hard not to take the culture of a small place really personally (laughs) to be a snob, basically. (laughs) Like, I I remember having this conversation with a bunch of moms at the school about how we should start. Someone wanted to start a place where you exercise on a stripper pole. And then someone else was like. (laughs) There should be glass where, like, our husbands can come and watch us exercising while they drink beers. And I was like, that's fucked up. That I And I just had this, I, I think I said that's fucked up, but I also inside was like, gross. And I mean, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not really that important, right? Like, it's like, yeah, whatever, stripper. Who get, like, right now, I kind of feel like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then the men could go on the polls and the women could drink beers. Like, who gives a shit? Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm not doing it for you. I mean. (laughs) But at the time I was like, this place is so stupid. You know, like. (laughs) 
And I do think that that there's a piece of that, no matter where you go, where you're just like, ew, this. Like, you could go to Austin and have a similar mm. kind of like, oh, yeah, breakfast burritos. Sure. So amazing. <laughs> you know, like, oh, good queso. Wee queso. <laughs> <laughs> As if we invented it. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Amazing. Velveeta that you melted down for five minutes. <laughs> That's so gourmet. And all those damn, um, those scooter things, the electric scooter. Oh, yep, yep, oh, yep, yep, They just look like segues to me. It's like, who <laughs> <laughs> was the character on Arrested Development who was just on a Segway all the time? Oh, yeah, um, was it Job? Oh. Did you watch Arrested <laughs> Development? Oh, I know that I need to watch that in order to be a person, but I yes, haven't watched you it. Yes, <laughs> you do. You do. It's so good. Yeah. I, Don't watch gosh. the last season. Just watch all the others. Okay. Oh, the new you. one, you know, also, the revival is no good. But the point is, you don't, you, you, if you go to a small place, I mean, the thing is, if you're looking for a mate, right? If you're looking for a partner, sure, I guess you got to stay in a medium sized place at least. And I don't know. Looking for a partner's bullshit. It's like, there should be some way to do a nationwide search and then you just match in different towns. Like, I'm willing to live in Cleveland, Raleigh, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking of, oh man, I'm glad you brought this up. Okay, I, I my roommate as kind of a joke was like, maybe I should we should, we can go to bars and I will walk up to men and just be like, that's my friend over there. She really likes Sailor Moon and cats. Would you like to date her? Um, and then I was like, well, maybe I should just like literally type like type up a little pamphlet or like a questionnaire that's just like. Hey, these are my <laughs> here. I'm gonna give you this thing to read, and if you, if in any way you're like, huh, this is interesting, let's have a talk. If you're like, fuck this shit, I've already done a lot of the work of weeding out whatever. Like, number one, you cannot argue with me that white supremacy is not real or misogyny. Okay, number two, do you, you know, like, and I was like, is that a good idea? I don't know. Yeah, well, I love that idea. <laughs> Right? Because. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're going to completely eliminate all illiterates. <laughs> you're going to, there's going to be zero douche bros in the picture. You basically get rid of anyone who's not a complete nerd. And what you want, you, I don't mean to presume, but <laughs> I, a lot of most right. of the women I know are, are, are just hunting for a hot nerd, you know? <laughs> Yes. Gosh, I just want to talk to you about so many things, but we should probably wrap it up because it's been an hour and I don't want to, I know you're a busy, successful hermit oh, yeah. person. Don't I, I sound like the most successful, optimized Uber woman? <laughs> you sound like very sure of yourself and no, I, I'm Curious like, oh, I want to be so. when I grow up. I want to be, okay, but okay, I will, I will end by saying, Dear Heather oh Havileski, please start your own dating app that is just for shrewish women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could just be called Shrew. That's yes. perfect. It's a Shrew okay. app. Do you have? You guys have the Shrew app? Now, let's see. What would the Shrew app do, though? Do you think it would be like, find local Shrew-loving men in your community? <laughs> yeah, well, it would be like, are you turned on by long feminist tirades? And are Do you, you like are, cackling laughter? Yes. Can you, are you secure enough in yourself and your own ness 
that you can listen to me be really angry and rant for a long time and be like, yeah, I accept, I accept what you're saying. It's just egalitarian. Like, uh, there's, uh, I, I, I do believe that there are truly egalitarian men in the world. You just, we all get so confused by the ones who are morons. We don't remember that there. we can't see the egalitarian dudes behind the morons. And unfortunately, I feel like the, I'm. this is another reason why I'm like, I have to leave San Diego. I don't think, well, maybe as you say, the egalitarian nerds are just not coming out of their homes. You got to find the egalitarian nerds. Yeah, you got to smoke them out of their holes. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, there has to be a good egalitarian nerd hunting system for sure, though. Like... I feel like sometimes I say to people, like, I don't know, go hang out at JPL in L.A. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what that would mean. Like, just linger around, you know, ask for a tour of JPL or linger around the outside of JPL looking for scientists, rocket scientists that are coming out. I'm not sure what it takes. JPL should have just cocktails on Friday afternoons for single men. <laughs> And hot women could just go mingle with single nerdy rocket scientist dudes. This is like a billion dollar idea. I know. (laughs) I know. I I should start a matchmaking service called Shrew. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to let this go. I just want you to know. (laughs) I'm going to ping you periodically and be like, hi. How's Shrew coming? (laughs) I'm waiting for Shrew. Okay? Like, my life will not be complete. Well, shit, Hannah. What if you just make Shrew? You're the one who needs the new career. I have a career. You need a new career. (laughs) You need a cut. That's right. It's just analyze this and Shrew will be your two big gigs. Well, on that note. We found a future for you. We learned a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun talking to you. Oh, good. Seriously, though, I kind of want you to adopt me. I know you already have children, so, and I actually have parents, so (laughs) I don't know how that would work. Yes, so earbuds, please pick up a copy of Heather's book if you haven't already. Um, It is, it's delightful and also surprising and also makes me a little nervous and is funny and it's, it's great. And she has many other books as well that you can read. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and listen to this podcast and share it with all your friends. I'm so Twitter-pated right now because I just had so much fun. Okay. Anyways, we love you and thank you and goodbye.